93.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a football Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon. Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours on a busy Friday. A lot to get to. All of it. Is it? All of it? Football related, most of it, if not all of it, football final related. Final weekend of baseball. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's probably final day of baseball for me today because it's going to be tough to find a game or, yeah. or tune to a game on Saturday and on Sunday. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Cubs, White Sox tonight. Your twins are where? Uh, uh, home Cin- for Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Right, home for Cincinnati. Reds team playing some good baseball. They are playing some good baseball. They are in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll spend some time on baseball in all likelihood in the first segment as the White Sox let another one get away oh, yesterday oh, after yeah. taking the lead into the bottom of the eighth inning. They were swept by Cleveland. Renteria did a good thing. He sat Luis Robert down. He did a bad thing. He put a starter in coming out of the bullpen of the eighth inning. got shelled. Rodon. And that's not going well for Renteria amongst the White Sox fans. He's taking a rash of crap uh, for that move. Anyways, it's been great. It's been fun. We're down to the final weekend. But we have a legitimate, for the first time all fall, a legitimate college football schedule in front of us, awaiting us beginning tomorrow with a whole bunch of games uh, involving conference play with the Big 12. The SEC joins the fray. There were some other football news college-wise from yesterday as well with the Pac-12 announcing they're back. Mountain West, Mountain hello. West, they're back. Mac makes their decision today. I will be shocked if they sit this one out. Yes. They are not sitting this one out. They will become uh, the 10th league to resume play. Uh, just depends when. And you know what? If I'm the Mac and if I'm ESPN and I have ESPN's got the hammer and they can make the schedule, every single game is Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Makes sense. Why not? Stay away from Saturday. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're not going to get Monday. And you might play some of those lower-rung games on Saturdays, but for the most yeah, part... if you have to. You get those double dips that we see, one on ESPN2, mm-hmm. one on ESPNU, and get those games going. Election night, we would be able to get some action going no, on. I don't think there's any sports. Remember, didn't the colleges vote to shut Was down? Was that across the board? Well, that's a good question, Drew. Yeah. I know some did. Yeah. Um, I would be surprised if they all don't, but you know what? Um TV is powerful. TV is powerful. And, and those and, checks are powerful. They are. Especially when you consider the plight that some of these athletic yeah. departments have put themselves in. Spend, spend, spend. Absolutely. It's been unbelievable. Like drunken sailors. Now it's catching up with them. So uh, one other college football note I wanted to uh, talk with you about today. Made the joke when we had Sip on, as I like to joke around with Sipple. You're going to take another shot at Nebraska here, I'm assuming? Go well, ahead. And uh, I, oh, I, I joked me, at the let me, end. Let me stop you. Yeah. Does it have to do with an announcement that came out yesterday? Yes. <laughs> if you Finish missed your point. If you missed it yesterday, the NCAA laid out that everybody is eligible for a bowl game. <laughs> there is no minimum win requirement. There's no minimum win percentage. Yep. You can put an 0-9 team in. You can. You can put a 2-7 and team. And I joke that 2-7 and Nebraska is going to play in a bowl game 
Well, we're getting closer and closer yeah. to the reality of that actually happening. I'm with you. Bowl games, I, I, was it beginning of this week? It's so crazy, just the way my mind has been during these six months and either how long things seem or how short things seem. Well, everything now, Trent, is just like rapid fire. Because we we talked and I said, I put the over under 20 bowl games yep, will be played. you did. And you were on the under initially. I didn't think there was going to be any right. other than the playoff. The playoff in the New Year's Six, right. and that was probably going to be it. Now that 20 number might be low. I, I might have to bump that yep, up at the kind yep. of casino to 25, yep. 30. I still think there are going to be games that aren't played. They're right, still the going. pre-Christmas games yeah. seem like they're probably up against it. How about the other aspect there that December 1st bowl games can start to be staged, though, as that was handed down yesterday? Because everybody's playing, nobody's going to do that. Right. But I wonder what the justification reasoning yeah. to put that in there. I didn't see that, uh, that little... Um, Maybe, layer of it, if you will. Maybe it was just, I don't know, for the ones that, you know what, were scheduled here, were normally day after Christmas. Let's put it before Christmas, mm-hmm. right after that. I, I don't know what the reasoning is. That one struck me as odd, though. I don't think it's a huge surprise that the NCAA handed this down, because we don't know. We don't know what schedules are going to look like. Right. We don't know what just, teams are going to be able again, to canceled, get to a what, bowl. Five games this weekend are, again, canceled or postponed, yep. so yep. you have a huge slate of games, and what... What that's going to turn out to be, if we do get another spike that comes in November, whatever it may be, and a huge number of cancellations, I think this makes a whole lot of sense. But that one just struck me as a little bit odd. Yeah, I'm with you, Trent. And you know what? I I took it as, um, yep, we want to have these bowl games, but we might not have enough teams because teams are quarantined, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we got to have somebody there. Well, we'll see. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a travel basis. You're not going to get rewarded. I mean, who wouldn't want Nebraska, right? right. I mean, they're starved to go to a bowl game. Well, and you look at the numbers there. You look at... I mean, their fan base I'm talking about. Yes, it's... Very red state, and unfortunately this is political. And, well, yeah, we can only allow 10,000, 12,000 Nebraska fans going. at our game. You're going to find ten mm-hmm. or 12,000 Nebraska fans where Illinois, Northwestern. Yeah. All right, yeah, there's a game dis- difference in the standings, but we're going to take the Cornhuskers. Mm-hmm. We know they're going to sell their allotment of tickets. You know they're going to come, and they're going to bump up that Chamber of Commerce. I was talking to a hotel operator just yesterday. Now, where are you going that you're talking to a hotel operator? I got people. You know, okay, I, you right. know my afternoons. I'm out and about, and I'm, I'm talking oh, to see. people. Okay. Yeah, and, and as I was talking to them, first of all, they said, like, downtown here, it's awful. Yeah. And some of the, I mean, very established hotels that are consistently 60, 70, 80% full during the middle of the week, we're talking in the teens, mm. a lot of these weekday nights. Mm-hmm. It's... 15% Trent, capacity. It's business travel. Until business travel returns, and, they're in deep water. And what's it going to return like? Right. But when you look at these bowl games, and if they can just get some kind of bump there for the hotels, for the restaurants, for what it does when you go to a bowl game, it is such a big impact to their bottom line in Absolutely. all of these cities that are struggling. Without a doubt. So I think you're going to see that number continue to go up. What are the ones you cross up? Like he said, the, the pre-Christmas ones, the Sun Belt versus Conference USA. Right. Yeah, probably going to be a struggle there. The Bahamas Bowl, that might be a little bit more difficult to pull off this year. I think mm-hmm. that's Mac against Conference USA. But regardless, you're still going to see the Capital One Bowl. You're still going to see the Alma Bowl. Mm-hmm. Those are still going to certainly, I think, be played this season. Pinstripe? Yeah. Well, it's tough but to New get York's into New York. Yeah, New York's different. I mean, if you're from Iowa and you want to go to New York, you have to spend two weeks in your hotel before that, you get to leave the hotel. That's Ohio right now. It's great. I mean, that's the way it is. Yeah. So, and, and to that end, I, got, um, I, I saw an article this morning that the Cubs, the 2021 season, 
they're planning on limited capacity to start the year. Maybe, maybe only season ticket holders, which is about 50% of the capacity, apparently. But maybe that's it. I mean, they don't know if they'd be able to have that many, but it's, um, who knows where we'll be. It's wild that people just think that 2021, everything's going to be back to normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people, well, we're going to flip the calendar and all of a sudden, gone. it's just out? It's 2021, 2025. We, got, we made it. We did. <laughs> we made it. It's not the way that it's going to be. Sadly, Trent, I believe you're going to be right. All right, sports from the uh, sports from yesterday and kind of setting you up for today again. Jeff Hughes, here's the, did we do the guest as only thing did? BMW of Des Moines guest list. Uh, if you're new to the program, and if you're a fan of one of the regional teams, you're going to hear about your team every week. Not for 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. but a hit on your team. And today we've got the Bears and the Chiefs. It, so it, uh, in about five minutes, Jeff Hughes, TheBearsBlog.com, will talk about his undefeated Chicago Bears as they get set to take on Atlanta. Tom Caker will be here at 1035 on Big Ten, return to play. Probably the point spreads that came out from Elite Sports Book, because mm-hmm. Tom likes to dabble, and he's a client. Yes, he's a he customer. Is. Yeah, they have a location in Quad Cities. He's made his way over there and has signed up uh, for Elite Sportsbook. Uh, so we'll talk to Tom Cakert. Thought maybe we could get Mitch Holtis to twist his arm and come on with his Monday game day, but uh, unfortunately his schedule won't allow that, so we're going to hear from him today at 10.50. Bama Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football at 11.05. we got a slate of games we're going to opine about. Then Dave Sproul on Iowa State. They will take on TCU tomorrow, 12.30 uh, on FS1. But if you can't be in front of your TV, you can hear the game down the hall here, the bus 100.3, pregame at 10.30, kickoff at 12.30, uh, and then following the Learfield post-game show, turn your dial to WHO. So I'm trying to figure out maybe a ballpark. So 12.30, 3.30, maybe 4.30 or 5 o'clock, Heather Burnside, Emery Songer will start on the Cyclone sound off on WHO, and they'll go for a couple more hours as they will... Uh, opine, recap, and, and hear from you on Iowa State TCU on WHO tomorrow. Uh, what else did we not get to? Oh, you got Claxons, of course, today. Mm-hmm. It's Friday. We're going to give you an opportunity to win some barbecue from our friends at Claxons. And then Trent and I will uh, make our picks. I got to be, I got to warn you. I got to warn you, Trent Condon. Oh. You have the lead. I, I do. I feel for the first time all year. Locked in. You confidence. I'm locked in. Are you doing our yes, official two, two and one, two college, two pro, and a best, and a best bet. bet? Yes, because you haven't the first couple of weeks. Maybe well, I try, because I struggle... you're breaking rules. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> Maybe you know me and rules. I, I like to adhere to them. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I feel good for you're the first time in. all year. All right, so we'll see how that goes. Anyways, so uh, the NFL game last night. You know, I was kind of entertaining. It was an awful game. It was kind of entertaining watching Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Right? He was so accurate. Accurate and taking on guys and w- mm-hmm. willing to put tuck the ball. And, and he, I'm sure he slid at some point during the game, <laughs> but he wasn't looking to slide. He wasn't looking to go down. He was looking to create, to uh, initiate contact and maybe pick up a couple more yards. You know, I went into the game hoping and we'd see Tua. I mean, yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. see Tua. Right. Uh, but we're not we going to see him. At some point we will, mm-hmm. but not for, not for the... Um, I mean, who knows when? Fitzpatrick's playing well. And if Miami would have lost this game, they'd be 0-3. They have a 10-day window to get ready for Week 4. I think we would have seen Mm -hmm. two at that point. But Fitz seemingly always does this, doesn't he? Where, well, boy, he's not very good. And then he has a game like that where 
Dude's going to be 38 years old in November. I know. How about that? And he's out there with the big beard. And, and just running the ball. The, the touchdown run. It was awesome. Spread it out. Yep. And I, I felt like you could see that one coming. Well, Troy Aikman did. I mean, yeah, Troy yeah. Aikman took a page out of Tony Romo's book mm-hmm. and called the play. Here's what's coming. And um, what did uh, what did Joe Buck say to him? Um, did North Turner ever call that for you in eighty eight or ninety eight ninety nine? And they got a laugh out of that. That's a really good. That, that's a really good crew. Yes. I mean, they're a really good crew. We're, All we're fortunate. We're fortunate. We've got some. We've got some uh, some good booths. We do. I mean, Collinsworth and, and Al Michaels, of course, Tony Romo and Nance, the one we heard last night. The Monday Night Crew, I think, will They'll get there. grow on us a yeah. little bit. Levy you know, and Greasy are all right. You know, but somebody made the point, and at first I thought, you know, I don't know if I buy that or not, but then I listened closely. Riddick and Greasy kind of sound too much alike. Oh, yeah, yeah, Their yeah. Voices. You run into that, yes. Which one's talking right now, Yeah, right? And... um yeah. I'll have to listen to that Monday night. Yeah, because that was a criticism, and I blew it off at first, and then I listened last week and, uh, to the Raiders and the Saints, paid close attention. And anyways, uh, NBA last night, the uh, Lakers. Were you on the Lakers? You were, weren't you? I was, you? yeah, and I got it at six, thank goodness. Yes. Because that's where it ended. Mm-hmm. Most everything was six and a half. I found it. It was early yesterday morning that I got it at six at Bill Hill. It was six and a half at DraftKings at that time. So that half point, they yeah. add up, and any gambler will know. Over the long haul, half yes. points, points, you can't just give them away. If you're looking you're right, to scratch right. out a profit, you need those every single time. And I got lucky. I, I got a I got the good number, and I got a push out of it at the very least. It, it Murray makes that drive. Gets. I thought he was fouled. Now, I understand. Jamal Murray complains a lot. He, yeah, he, he's, he's a complainer. not alone. <laughs> and, I, and I loved, I loved, uh, they got to Reggie. He's like, oh, man, they, they missed the and then, oh, yeah, LeBron hacked him. They, they show the replay, and Reggie just says, yeah, yeah they missed that one. Yeah. It was two at that time. Just think how different that game plays out if mm-hmm. they do call that foul. Or he's not, he's not missing a free throw either. Probably not. What has he made? I think 23 straight fourth-quarter free throws now. Is that the number? Yeah, he's, he's not missing a fourth-quarter free throw. And Monte played well for a stretch again. That's mm-hmm. a couple of yeah, games Monte in a row. Yeah, Monte Morris was good. He's playing good. Yeah. He's no playing turnovers. Really good but he have a handful of assists, 14 points, 12 points, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Uh, no, he's terrific. You know Jamal Murray, where he's from, don't you? He's a Canadian. Yes, he is. Yes. Yes, I'm surprised we haven't heard more about that. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, maybe I should. You love your Canadians. Well, especially in basketball, right? Yes. I'm proud of my country. Why wouldn't I be? And I've got a microphone. I'm going to tell everybody. You don't like to tell that Andrew Wiggins is from Canada yeah, much no, anymore. Not, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, not so much. That one's kind of fell off. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even want to play in the Olympic team or anything like that. I mean, anyways, um, we've got too much to talk about yeah. to get into Wiggins and, and, and uh, his shortcomings. Uh, so where will you be tonight before we get Jeff Hughes? You're going where? High school football, of course, Joe Stacy, Josh Loffelholz and company football Friday nights. They'll set scenes at 630. Coverage begins at 7. They'll stay on the air until 11. Boy, yeah. that's a long shift. They got a long shift here and uh, lots of games across central Iowa. I think three pretty good ones, four really good ones, in fact. I'll be out at Waukee as Johnston comes to town for my first look at Waukee this season. Aaron Smith, the headliner, their speedster. He's a track star, and he is fast on the football field, so excited to see him against that really stout Johnston defense. Of course, pulled the upset a couple of weeks ago, and uh, now the Dragons look to build upon that after they beat Dowling Catholic. So have that one tonight, Waukee Johnston, Ankeny against Valley, Mm -hmm. the Ankeny Hawks, and well, you got to feel with no Rubley out Oof. there and the offensive line struggles Valley has. Ankeny has a chance to really roll in that one, yep. that offense, since their walkie loss. Has that been the, is, is the offensive line woes been maybe as much to do with the 
down statistical year that most thought Rubley would have. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair because he's, he's been, running for his life. Right. Yeah, I've I've done two Valley games this year, and both time, I don't think he made a five step drop with a clean pocket. Just not one time that I can remember in those two games against Dowling and Southeast Spoke. Well, just, Dowling, we saw a lot of highlights, and he yeah. was literally under yeah, there, pressure. There were all nine night. tackles for a loss. It felt like it was nineteen. It, it was he was just every single time, and, and it happened against Southeast Polk. They're getting manhandled up front, and that's mm-hmm. never what you anticipate mm-hmm. with Valley. Nope, it's not. You're used to a great offensive line, a great defensive line, and that's not the case. And we'll see. They'll throw Aiden Price out there a little bit. Uh, Morrow's their other quarterback on the roster. Who's the he's, lefty, Trent, that I fell in love with? That's watching Aiden video. Price. Yeah. Is that who it he's is? He's a sophomore. Yeah. He's still got a ways to go, but they had two days to prepare now. They found out Wednesday oh, afternoon hey, your quarterback's not oh, ready. My. You know, if you find out. After the game on Friday night, that's one thing. You got a whole week to prepare. Right. right. You got basically a practice and a half. The other quarterback, Morrow, he's been playing defense. Oh, jeez. So and they get the Hawks, and that's and they get the Yankee Hawks. Uh, Didn't you tell me early in the week, Urbandale's got a good opponent? Yeah, Fort Dodge, who's scoring huge amount of points. They'll be coming to town. I think that should be a real good one too. And we get Ankeny Centennial against Ames. So the Jaguars looking for their first win against uh, Taman Lippy. Who we know Oof. is a great basketball yeah. player, but had eight touchdowns week one against Fort Dodge. So, little Cyclones back on the field. They'll get Centennial tonight. Uh, DCG, they'll be hosting Norwalk. A couple of really, well, Dell Center Grimes this year's one of the favorites in 3A. Norwalk took a couple of close Haven't losses. Haven't they been on top year. for the last few years? Yeah. Season, and, right? and yeah, Norwalk, uh, they've had some issues, some question marks up front. They usually have a really good offensive line, but should be a good one there in the 3A level. So always great games, and you can hear all about them yep. all throughout the night, 6.30 to 11, and then the replay of Waukee Johnson here at 11 o'clock tonight. All right, good stuff, Joe. We'll get Jeff Hughes in here. We will talk about the Bears. You know, there's a sneaky good game, Trent. I know you're dialing the phone. There's a sneaky good NFL game that's really, I think, flying under the radar. I mean, yes, we pay so much attention to the local teams, right, and rightly so. The Rams and the Bills is one of those, I think, games that maybe deserves a little more attention than it's getting right now. That's a pretty big spot for both of those teams. I mean, the Bills find themselves on top of the uh, AFC East, and the Rams are off to a terrific start. Uh, this is Josh Allen going up against Ramsey and company on that uh, very good defense. So if you're looking for one of those under-the-radar games, I think Bills-Rams I like Rams is a good one. By the way, locally, here's what we're getting. Uh, KCCI's got the double dip. CBS has the double dip. We get... Uh, the Vikings game early. Vikings hosting Tennessee on CBS. Fox, you're going to get Atlanta versus Chicago. And then in the late window, which is also on Fox. Fox has the double dip. I stand corrected. Uh, that's Dallas at Seattle. So those are the three games you're going to get here locally on KCCI and KDSM. Jeff Hughes is thebearsblog.com. He joins us. They're 2-0. and They're off to Atlanta. Jeff Hughes uh, gives us a few minutes to preview that and to recap the first couple of weeks. Good to reconnect with you, Jeff Hughes. How are you? I am doing just wonderfully. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. So what's the... Um, the, the reason behind the 2-0 and start, a lot of folks point to the schedule. It's more than that. You play who's in front of you. In your mind, if you had to come up with one or two reasons this team is 2-0, and uh, where would you go? Uh, the offensive line has been, as advertised this year, they have been uh, a rejuvenated unit under Coach Juan Castillo. They have dominated the line of scrimmage in both games. The run game looks back to where it was two years ago. 
that has been story one. And I, and I think story two has been uh, the defensive line has really played well. They're not, they're not racking into the sacks the way you'd like at this, at this point, but Khalil Mack is double and tripled on every single play. Robert Quinn uh, strip sack fumble on his first play as a Bear. Mm. Akeem Hicks uh, has been in the backfield consistently. It's been the offensive and the defensive lines that have led this team through two weeks. That's the way it should be. You're the Chicago Bears. You should be strong right. up front. That's a good point. And that's the way that they certainly are. And Jeff, I remember you telling us a couple weeks ago when we talked to you last, this team is going to look a whole lot different when Quinn is out there, and that was the case, what they were able to do. Still, defensively, the back end, Johnson, I think that dude's going to be a star. He has played at a really, really high level. I think the question remains, Danny Trevathan, who is a physical middle linebacker in that 3-4 scheme, the way football is played He's today. He's along in the 2-2 two, two train. Yeah, those crossing routes, he, he just can't cover anymore. He is too slow. How quickly, is there going to be a hook there? Is there anybody that could replace him in the middle? Well, I think what you're going to see the Bears do, and listen, they've already they've already used something of a hook. He only played about 48 percent of the snaps mm, wow. in week two. Uh, his tape has been off, has been awful, and I, I wrote about it this week. Danny Trevathan's a great guy. Everyone speaks highly of him, but when you can't cover a back out of the backfield, when you're trailing tight ends down the field in this defense, you just don't have a lot of value. And Roquan Smith can do all the things Danny Trevathan can do in a younger body. Right. What the Bears are going to do, and it looks like they started to use it a little last week, is bring that third safety, on, safety onto the field. Bring Dion Bush onto the field. Let him handle the cover duties that Trevathan would have used. I will be honest, guys. The tape has been so bad that it would not surprise me at all if mm. we see his role get reduced week after week, and he becomes one of those guys who just sort of flops onto IR and that's the end of it. I mean, it, he looks, he doesn't look a step slow. He looks three, four, five steps slower than he did a year ago. And I, I know Chuck Pagano has said all the right things about him. They have to understand that you can't keep putting him out there and risking games. And, you know, go back to that Detroit game with the, the throw in the end zone at the end that was dropped by Swift. That was Trevathan in coverage. And it just blew past him. Uh, those kinds of things can't happen in these games that are so tight. So, uh, Trevathan is the player on that defense to watch, and I would expect his playing time will not be great this week. Yeah, he was really good. I remember him. Denver's my team. He was a really good Bronco, of course, before he left the Broncos and went to the Bears. But um, I'm, I'm with you. I think father time has caught up with Danny Trevathan. All right, uh, Jeff Hughes, let's get your report card on the quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you're a tough critic of his. I don't think it's unwarranted by any means. But after two games, have you seen improvement? And what more do you need to see? out of Trubisky. He needs to put together four quarters on one Sunday. That's what he needs to do. In, on one Sunday, play four consistent quarters. The way I would describe Trubisky's year to this point in comparison to, say, Foles, I don't think Foles would have led the comeback against Detroit week one. But I don't think they would have been in the hole that, that they were in if Foles played four quarters. The same for last week. Uh, I just don't think that game is coming down to a final drive if Nick Foles is the quarterback for four quarters because there's more of a consistency. They've been moving the ball. He's still making the kinds of mistakes a fourth-year quarterback should not be making, but he's prone to electric moments, and and that's sort of the, the excitement. But I'll give you a food analogy. If you went to a sushi restaurant, right, and they had the greatest dish that there is to have there, and you knew that they had that, say, once a month, but three or four other times a month when you went there, you'd get food poisoning. You might not want to go there all that often. 
even though you know that one thing is there and it can show up. That's what he is. He's going to lose them games because he's not going to be able to pull the rabbit out of the hat every Sunday if he doesn't start putting together consistent games from, from whistle to whistle. I just can't see them sticking by this experiment long term. Just over a month to go before the trade deadline in the NFL. Allen Robinson, he wants a new contract. Those talks uh, do not look great at this point. If the Bears do stumble a little bit, what is the possibility? The Bears don't want to trade him, but knowing they can't get a contract, he's going to walk. What do you see in the latest situation with Allen Robinson? I do not think they're going to trade him. Uh, teams have called the Bears, and, and offers have been made. I do not think they're going to trade him. I think they like Allen Robinson. I think they want him here long term. The question right now is a financial one. Allen Robinson, from what I've been told, is looking for a Michael Thomas contract, somewhere around $100 million. Is he that player? I'm not sure that he is. And the Bears have to answer a question, which is, do you really want to have a 90 to $100 million wide receiver on the roster next year when you don't know who's playing quarterback? Yeah. So I think the Bears are trying to get him in somewhere in the 65 to $75 million range, and I think they'd be comfortable doing that. But there's still a, a pretty sizable gap in what the two sides are, are looking at. So, listen, Allen Robinson didn't put together a tape last week that you, you really <laughs> want to have when you're in the middle of these negotiations. So I, I think he'll play. I think he'll play hard. I think the Bears will keep him on this roster. If they had to franchise him next year, they would. He would hate that, but they would do it. Um, but I do think they'll come to an agreement at some point here in the next few weeks. Uh, we see rookies uh, get indoctrinated into the league and start making an impact in the league if they're going to at, at different points of the season. Uh, what's uh, Cole Komet? He's off, seemingly off to a not a slow start, but I thought that they would try to get him more involved. Uh, Jimmy Graham's been that guy so far. Are you surprised that Komet's not getting the looks that I, I would have assumed he was going to get? No, I'm not surprised. I, I think the plan for Cole Komet was just to, was to increase the load week after week. I think we have to all sort of recalibrate what our expectations are for offensive rookies because they didn't have any contact this yeah, summer. That's a good, great they didn't point. have any preseason game. Yeah. So Komet's been involved here and there. He's caught a few passes. He's been great in the run game. Uh, I think they're going to keep increasing his workload. Darnell Mooney has been the star rookie to this point. He's basically a starting wide receiver mm-hmm. now, which we all saw coming <laughs> this summer because if you talk to people inside the organization, they could not shut up about Darnell Mooney. Uh, and then the other rookie who, who Trent already mentioned, Jalen Johnson. I tweeted this the other day. Jalen Johnson would be a top 10 pick in the draft if they redrafted right now. He has been so good and so polished. It is remarkable to me that he is a rookie player because he has slotted in as a starter from day one, and he has looked every bit yep. of a Pro Bowl corner. No, he really has, and he looked like that when he was at Utah, too. Atlanta this week, what do you see with the Falcons, a team that certainly has given up a lot of points and that disaster on the oh. onside kick against the Cowboys? Listen, I watched that Cowboy-Falcons game, and I, all I could say was the Cowboys did everything in their power to play the worst possible game. Fumble after fumble, fake punts that just kept failing. Yes. And they, and they still managed to beat the Falcons. The Bears are going to be able to run the ball on the Falcons. They should be able to throw the ball pretty well. As, you just never know what Mitchell, what Mitchell will bring on Sunday. But I don't see how you stop that Falcons team at home from scoring 20-plus points. I don't care how good your defense is. They're going to get 20 to 24 on this Bears team. Can the Bears show up offensively, play four good quarters, and beat them? The Bears are a better team. Now, they don't have the better quarterback, and I think if the Bears lose Sunday, it'll be because the better quarterback's on Atlanta. 
But I, I, I have the Bears winning 26-23 in, a, in another nail-biter. Hmm. Last thing for me, uh, just your thoughts so far after two weeks, what you've seen in the division. Obviously, the Vikings are struggling mightily. The Packers are scoring a ton of points, and the Lions are the Lions. Uh, what have you seen so far? Poor Lions. Yeah, I really poor feel bad. You, know, I don't, you don't even want to kick them because it's been so many years of this. Um, the Packers look terrific. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looks motivated, and he looks like they're the class of the division. And I've always said that when Aaron Rodgers is – is there in the lineup. They're the class of the division. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Kirk Cousins and Minnesota. They look like they're just completely out of touch. Uh, I don't see them as a playoff team. I don't see Detroit as a playoff team. So I think this is a, a, a two-team race now, and I'd be surprised if, if you told me that Green Bay won 11 or 12 games. That's probably where I'd slot them now, and I think the Bears can get in around 10. And I think both teams are going to the playoffs. Gail Sayers passing this week as a Bears fan. Sure, you've watched Brian's song. I know that uh, it was an impactful player for a lot of different people growing up. Your uh, thoughts on the life of Gail Sayers? You know, for for people my age, I'm 38 years old, so you know I never saw Gail Sayers play live or anything like that. But when you become a Chicago Bears fan, no matter where you live, and I grew up in New Jersey, you become indoctrinated into the history of the team. They're, they're not just a football team; they have this this long history. They are football. And so I remember when I was a kid having a Gale Sayers jersey. And none of my friends knew who Gale Sayers was. <laughs> but I used to get to tell them about him and say, this guy played only a few years. It was a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's how good he was. And he was drafted in the same class as Dick Butkus. And those teams never won anything. And it's just remarkable to think about uh, how great an impact this player had in such a short time in the NFL. Uh, he's, one of the, he's one of the iconic Chicago Bears. And, and we all say that. And I, I think it is fun fun to note that Brian Song really did cement his legacy. Mm-hmm. And to a lot of people, that's what Gale Sayers is. And I put it on the, the, the Bears blog yesterday, and I hope people get a chance to read it. Billy D. Williams, who played him in the film, uh, gave a very nice sort of speech about him and, and some recollections. And it's really fun to read uh, how close they became in the aftermath. So, yeah, he was a great guy. He was, uh, he was a great interview. You can see all that on YouTube. He was a hell of a player. And... You know, the Bears lost one of their legends. Indeed, one of the uh, greatest sports figures in the history of the city of Chicago. Yeah, James Kahn and uh, Billy D. Williams, uh, uh, Brian Song. Uh, Jeff Hughes, thank you as always, Jeff. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. TheBearsBlog.com for Jeff Hughes. The Bears blo- TheBearsBlog.com. Uh, Tom Kakert, next on Iowa, who inches closer it's a, is it a month from yesterday? The 24th, yeah. Uh, that the Big Ten arrives. Ready for it. Yeah, everybody is, Trent. It gets good this weekend. It's going to get better in a month. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. org. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Mitch Holt is coming up 
In about 15 minutes or thereabouts, let's get right to Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. The SEC's basketball schedule was just released. Ooh. 28th of December it starts, an 18-game conference slate. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. We'll get into, not the SEC, but maybe opine and speculate when we might see similar from the Big Ten. Elite Sportsbook's got a line for every single uh, Iowa game this year. There are more and more opt-outs trying to opt back in, most of whom are on Iowa's schedule at some point. Hello, Tom Cakert. How are you? <laughs> we got a lot to cover, don't we? Yeah, we do. Absolutely do. You know, let's start with uh, the Elite Sportsbook. And, you know, um, this the, the line was nine and a half. I was getting nine and a half at Purdue. And this was before Rondell Moore came, announced that he was going to try and come back. And, of course, he's such a freaking weapon. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get to see him much last year as he got hurt early and was opting to the NFL. He says he's the best receiver in college football. He's out to prove it. Uh, was that the line, the one line, Tom, of all of them that jumped off at uh, jumped off the page at you? The first three, that was the one that jumped off the most, but the first three, boy, it's just hard to see. I know Northwestern stunk it up last year, and I know they got a new OC, but you're getting Peyton Ramsey in there. You have to think 14 and a half just seems pretty heavy. Yep. Um, and I, I just think Michigan State's going to be a train wreck this year. Yeah. And it's only four and a half, four points. I, those three just kind of jumped out at me. I was like, eh, eh might, might want to, uh, tell people to, if they're, if they're looking to make some, some cash that uh, those might be areas to go and uh i just looked you had mentioned to me a little bit earlier too that you'd taken a look at it this morning in fact none of the eight point spreads that have been out there i think for 48 hours now none of them moved not even a really? half point i don't know people just not attacking these numbers over there that really or surprised do they me. realize that they're available maybe i don't know any any idea the reason for that that really surprised me tom yeah, I wonder if people just don't realize they're out there yet. Yep. And here's the other thing. The people that are probably going to bet that are Iowa fans, yeah. and they're probably just looking to bet the Hawks. They're not looking to bet it's Purdue. Yeah. You know, they're the, they're the recreational folks, mm-hmm. not the professionals like Trent. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com is our guest. Well, Tom, uh, it sounds well. Let me let me pick your brain. What are you hearing as far as the try to opt back ins? It seems likely that they're going to be given uh, given a pass on this, even if it means they're going to have to. Ret- in Bateman's case, I believe he took money from an agent. He's going to have to pay that back. What What do you think the NCAA is going to do, and when do you think they're going to do it? Which is kind of tough with Rasmus yeah. NCAA. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be fairly quick. And I think um, Tom Mars, who's the attorney for everybody who wants to get eligible, yep. has said basically they can just go back to Kevin Warren's own words, which, uh, which said after everybody raised the ruckus initially, we're not going back on this. So mm-hmm. um, even though some of those guys did opt out before. Um, before he made those statements, you can still go with those statements. And I just think you give everybody a pass. You're giving them a free year anyway. Right, right. So, you know, just just let them play. And these guys are going to be gone uh, to the NFL. You know, Bateman's gone to the NFL. Rondell Moore's gone to the NFL. We all know those things. So, so come play, have fun, um, you know, uh, just let them have fun playing college football one last time. We've talked a lot leading up to what we were hoping the beginning of the season during the summer about this offense, all the weapons there. 
Defensively, though, I think there are still some question marks. When you look at the defense, what concerns you most about this upcoming Iowa football season? Yeah, um, I think it's probably twofold uh, for concerns for Iowa's defense. Uh, starts up front, I think that would be a concern just because you think back to a couple of years ago where they had that solid, solid two deep uh, where you could put any of those guys out there. And now only one of those guys remains, and that's uh, Chauncey Golson. Everybody else has gone, you know, the NFL or whatever, or, you know, in Matt Nelson's case, he's he's playing on the offensive side for the Lions. Uh, but still, that was a really good group of guys that, that uh, uh, in a two deep, and now they've got to kind of retool, and they're just not as strong at the defensive end. Um, the Lorbeck kid can come in and help them, I think. Jack Heflin, both the NIU guys can come in and help them, give them some more depth. Um, Davion Nixon's going to have to emerge. Golston's going to have to be more productive. And I keep an eye out for Logan Lee. And the other thing, uh, middle linebacker, you know, Dylan Doyle was going to be the starter yep. probably. Yep. Jack Campbell, ready to go. And what's um, behind him? Such a, yeah. Um, you know, is Nick Neiman a possibility there? Is mm. Jimon Colbert, did he opt out? Um, he was one of the names right. in August that was that was likely to opt out and not play this year. Um, so I wonder if he's playing or not. We haven't heard anything from Kirk yet on that front. Hmm. What about Jack Kerner who had that uh, near tragic accident? I mean, it was bad. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It was tragic for, you know, the other fellow that was involved in it. He's lost a leg, right? Um, what, yeah. what are you hearing about Jack Kerner? Is he, is he good to go? Is he ready to resume? Yeah, yeah he's, he's ready to go. Good. And, uh, and he's been out there for practices, from what I understand, their their workouts or whatever they're terming it. And you know, the other guy that was was key that was thinking about in August potential opt out was Leonard Jackson, and he's been in pretty much every photo gallery that I was released <laughs> every day. So uh, that's a good sign too, because he's your starting left tackle, and uh, you want that kind of um, you know quality uh, out on the field and not have to kind of dip down to the depth chart a little bit. Tom, it's 4th of July. It's normally when we hit, get to see the Tom Cakert fearless forecast. Hmm. We saw it. That didn't happen. And then we got the new schedule. So fearless forecast number two came out. Now number three with this eight-game season and then the ninth game tacked down at the end. What did you come up with? Version 3.0, Tom Cakert's fearless forecast. I was lucky to get the 2.0 out before they pulled the plug. <laughs> right. You know, that's that. That's maybe my best achievement since uh, since the uh, outbreak of COVID nineteen was was uh, was getting that second one out. Uh, I don't even remember what I picked for that one, but um, I went five and three. The Purdue game scares the heck out of me. Yeah. Um, just to open against them, especially with Moore back, you know they're going to. And Brahm is Brahm is giving Iowa fit. Mm-hmm. He just has. Yeah. Um, you know, even the win last year was kind of a. A scuffle. It was a struggle, and um, I, I just think they're um, they're going to be a, a problem for Iowa in that that first game. But um, you know, Penn State, I think, is a loss. Uh, I'm just going to keep picking. Wisconsin. I'm not going to pick against Wisconsin. I just every time I do, they just you know, it just it, Iowa just can't get over that hump for whatever reason. It's like those. Those Bo Ryan basketball teams when he thought, boy, he lost four starters, he's going to take a step back, and then he's in the Final Four <laughs> right. winning Big Ten titles again. You know, he just never bet against them. Uh, is the Wisconsin game for the Big Ten West in your mind? 
I think so. Um, Wouldn't that be I something? I think it might set up that way. It depends on what happens with, you know, the, the gopher are going to be in this mix, I think. And wow. we'll know how Iowa and Wisconsin did against the gopher before then. Um, but uh, I think the gopher's going to have a stay in this one. Tom Cakert, we are out of time. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you coming on. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. All right, Mitch Holt is joining us next. Uh, We will recap the uh, Chiefs and the Chargers and talk a little bit about the Chiefs getting set to take on the Ravens in maybe one of the bigger games that we'll see in this NFL season. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.0. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Nobody's wishing the weekend away. Monday night. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Got a chance to be a dinger. Maybe the two best kickers in the league, Butker Tucker. Uh, oh, all right. right. Let's get Mitch That's, that's probably here. not going to get the headlines. No, probably not. But you have the, uh, the the two guys fighting for the MVP Yeah, last the quarterbacks year. aren't bad yeah, either, yeah. right? Uh, Mitch Holtis joins us. Yeah, uh, Trent makes a good point on the quarterbacks, but the kickers, Mitch Holtis, Tucker, uh, and, of course, Butker uh, on the heels of what he did last week. Unbelievable. That's a pretty good matchup in its own right. Well, Tucker's the most successful uh, kicker in NFL history at 90% of his kicks, but Butker is closing in fast on that mark. And then Butker learning, not only learning, but he's going to another level in competition. He hits 258, to 53, and then another 58. Only, what, two of those counted. But uh, as I said in our training camp reports, he's gone to another level. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was hitting regularly from 65 and even one from 70. So... Uh, the NFL record's in jeopardy with both these guys. And, yes, it's just two more areas of superlative play to put into this game. And there's no weaknesses really in either one of these teams. Mitch, you took your first road trip of the season and saw the team take their first road trip out to L.A. to face the Chargers. Now another one with Baltimore this week. It's different. No preseason leading up to it. Just how different was it for the players in preparation getting ready for a road game? Well, it was crazy for them. And again, I'm dealing with them, you know, virtually as, as much as I can. And we did not travel. That's, of course, become today's YouTube and uh, Facebook and Instagram sensation because I put video pieces out about what we had in our little Apollo 13 capsule that we brought that game to you on. Hmm. But that being said, it was strange. And what, what the guys said, and even the coaches have said, was the most strange thing was not zero crowd noise. You know, in our Houston game, there were 17,000 people there. Now, that's like filling up Drake Stadium, but it was, it was, cry, it was loud. I mean, it was, there was noise. Here, there were no noise. You're hearing, it's like baseball games. You're hearing all of this chatter from the other sideline, and it was strange for the coaches and players to uh, kind of acclimate to it. It was, a, it was a weird circumstance. Don't mind telling you. 
Uh, this defense uh, that uh, the, the Patrick Mahomes and company are going to go up against is uh, is really good. I have to tell you that uh, they're the safeties are coming along. I mean, they cut a pretty good one uh, in training camp. Marcus Peters is hitting his stride. You're going to know well, uh, full well about him. It's a good team. Um, what is the weak? I don't want to say weakness. Where can they exploit or try to attack this defense with the game's best player in Patrick Mahomes? The first nugget I would give you is the fact that the way the Ravens play, and on defense they're, they're super aggressive, right? They hit uh, they hit Watson last week 14 times. They hit Pat seven times last year and 13 two years ago in the game in 18. Uh, I'm throwing some numbers out at you, but if you look at the comparison of the two quarterbacks, in back-to-back years it has been Patrick Mahomes to get the big plays. He had a fourth down 48-yard pass to Tyree Kill that was the deciding play two years ago. And last year, an 83-yard pass to McCole Hardman that made the game 23-6. to And now, and, and the Ravens hate pedaling uphill. They're like playing a service academy. And I say that as a, a compliment. But they've got a recipe they like to follow. And if, they, if you throw them off the recipe, it makes things really a, a lot harder for them. So my answer to you, Ken, is the fact that the longest play – that Lamar Jackson has had in these two games against the Chiefs has only been 31 yards. Mahomes has been able to hit their defense with 40s, 50s, and an 83. And because of their aggressive play and Mahomes' ability to capitalize on that, the Ravens sometimes will give up a big play that these other teams are preventing by the style that they're playing. Mahomes is incredible. Uh, It was one of those funky divisional games that you have. Things weren't going right for them. The drive to tie the game, though, three holding penalties. I don't know what the official yardage was. I mean, they had to go 110 yards, seemingly, right. to get that that field goal there. But I was reading a quote from him. They were asking him about the two-point conversion play that tied it up earlier in the game at 17. What a throw. It was supposed to be a shovel pass. Right before the snap, he heard a defender for the Chargers say, watch the shovel pass. So he goes to what turned out to be one of his last reads and strikes it in for the two-point conversion. We're playing checkers. That dude's playing chess. Well, and again, if there's crowd noise, let's say that game's yeah. arrowhead, does he hear that defender mm-hmm. say, hey, look out for the shovel pass? Mm. That goes back to your initial question about how weird it was to play on the road uh, with no fans. So it actually works in the Chiefs' advantage in that instance. That two-point play, of all of his crazy plays, you know, Peter Schrager was talking about it on Good Morning Football, and then he tweeted, and he was calling me out, going, hey, Steph Curry, right, Mitch Holtis? Because I was calling Pat Mahomes Steph Curry even before he became a starter. And I was laughed off a San Francisco radio show because of it. Well, they had me on a year later going, dude, you were right. But that's a Steph Curry play. It's a no-look pass. There's three defenders perfectly surrounding McCole Hartman, and as good as the pass was, guys, the catch was almost as good. Yeah, good point. So, uh, and it's a big play. If you don't get that, now all of a sudden you're down a touchdown mm-hmm. instead of a field goal to tie it. You need a touchdown in the, at the end of regulation. That's an enormous play. So, uh, but it, it's just he, he's Mahomes is an unusual player. We all know that, and the stuff still comes. There could be something crazy this week. I hope there is. I really do. Uh, we got like two minutes. I want to save one of them for Papa John's, Mitch. But does it yep. feel different this week? I mean, we know when college teams get the schedule, they they look at the schedule. Pros are pros. But does it feel different this week knowing that it's Baltimore and Kansas City, or is it just another week when you're a professional? It's a great question, Ken, and no, it's not just another week. And neither team is shying off of that. 
And I find it interesting only in week three that we've got a something that feels like an AFC championship game in September. But neither team's backing down, and I honestly think it's because of the one bye this year. There's not two buys. There's one. And this game yep. could be, you know, this could be huge in deciding who gets the bye because it'll be, you know, head-to-head matchup. These two teams aren't in the same division. And so uh, the tiebreaker could come down to this game. That's why either team's backing it off. So of all of the, yeah, all, of, all the importance you want to put and put all the chips on the table, they deserve to be there, and both teams are running to deal the cards. We know what I like to put on the table, Mitch Holtis. Mm. I don't have to tell you. How about that? Monday night football, Ken, Trent. It's big for the Donaldsons and for Papa John's. All throughout Des Moines, we're going to be lighting this up. But here's what's cool about it, is that they, when you order your Monday night football or this weekend, your pizza, um, they've got this large five-topping specialty pizza, just seventeen ninety-nine. But a donation goes to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from your order. It's not you donating it, it's the Donaldsons. And you can go to online code. There's this online code to use, and it's seventeen ninety nine JDRF, seventeen ninety nine JDRF. I find it interesting. Mark Andrews is a great tight end for the Ravens. He's a type one diabetic, mm. and he's playing National Football League football. Uh, if you're around JDRF at all, uh, you know what. And type one diabetes means you just got dealt that card. You didn't do anything to cause it. And so uh, the Donaldsons are all about working. Uh, to help the kids that and have uh, diabetes, either type 1, type 2, uh, but you can overcome a lot of things even with type 1 diabetes. Good stuff, Mitch Holtis. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Uh, can't wait for Monday night. Thank you, Mitch. It's a giant battle, boys. It's we'll talk about it next week. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Mitch Holtis. Voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. From the pro game to the college game, that's when we start our number 2, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM.